everyone, my name is Dina and you're listening to Slavsvite, a podcast about Slavic languages. Last time we began talking about a very interesting topic, Rusin language. And I realized while preparing for the previous episode that this language can be divided into two groups, let's say it like that. So the first episode was on Pannonian Rusin, which is spoken in parts of Serbia and Croatia. But our topic for today is the more popular Carpathian Rusin. And let me tell you, this language wasn't even considered as a language for a very long time. But before we get started, I just want to remind you all that there is a new website where you can also find some cool desktop wallpapers for June in all major Slavic languages. And beside that, you can donate and support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com slash Yeah, that would mean a lot. So let's get started. If you thought that this is it with categorizing Rusin, you were wrong. Carpathian Rusin is spoken in Transcarpathian region of Ukraine, so-called Zakarpatsky, northeastern Slovakia, so it's the Preshov variety, and part of Poland. Um, the language spoken there is called Lemko. There is also um, a Hungarian variety and Rusin spoken in the northern Romania. So naturally, all of these languages that are surrounding influenced it in one way or another. That is why we can now talk about an isoglass that divides Rusin into Eastern and Western version. And for those of you who don't know what isoglass is, it is basically like a made-up border that geographically divides two areas that show different linguistic features. One of the main things that differentiates East from West is the stress. In the East, like in other Eastern Slavic languages, the stress is flexible, meaning there is no fixed rule about where it should be in the word. Meanwhile, in the West, the stress is fixed, just as it is in West Slavic languages. So Western part was more exposed to all kinds of influences, as I mentioned. Hungarian, Slovakian, Polish, Romanian, they all contributed to the development of the Rusin on that side of the imaginary border. <laughs> that is why some sounds like soft S and Z are kept in the East, but in the West they went to H and H. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right though. They are written in the transcript. When it comes to the instrumental case, you know, the one expressing who or what are you doing something with, the feminine nouns have an ending OM in the West while having the OV ending in the East. So now let's take a look at how Western and Eastern part build future tense. In the West, it is by using the verb to be plus participle one. So, budesh sluchal. While in the West, the verb is in the infinitive form. Budesh sluchati. If you think you're starting to get a clearer picture about Rusin, I will try to confuse you just a bit more. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm, I'm talking about both varieties. And what makes this northern Carpathian Rusin so different? Well, for starters, it has both u and i sound. There is also 
uh, sound, as well as two different types of e and o, depending on whether they are followed by a soft or a hard consonant. So if they're followed by a hard consonant, then they're just e and o, but if they're followed by a soft consonant, then they are e and o. Carpathian Rusin was considered just as a dialect of Ukrainian for a really long time, and it does share a lot of features with East Slavic languages, the so-called Polnoglasie. You can listen to the episode on liquid methodesis to find out more about this. Then the loss of Dlutula group, which are still preserved in Pannonian Rusin, if you remember. However, let's not get too carried away because Carpathian Rusin has also a lot of features that do not resemble any connection with Ukrainian. So the first one would be the ending in present tense for the first person plural, which is me, so pisheme instead of pishemo. In Ukrainian, it's pishemo. Then the second one is the particle that expresses the reflexibility of the verb is pretty independent from the verb in Rusin, in Carpathian Rusin. While in Ukrainian, it is always added as a suffix as well as it is in Russian and I don't know for Belarusian, but I would suggest that it is. There are no soft consonants at the end of the word. So if we have piat in Ukrainian, we have piat in Rusin. So as you can see, a lot of things do point to the fact that this is a separate language. Until today, there are three codified versions of Carpathian Rusin. So the Slovak, Transcarpathian and Polish or Lemko. Side note, it is called Lemko because of the very often usage of the word Lem only instead of Lish. They are all very similar when it comes to orthography. However, there are a few sounds that are added into the Transcarpathian version. Um, this is a Serbian J and Hungarian U and Uv. In the Polish version, Lemko version, there is W sound. You can find the alphabet and dialectal map at the end of the transcript of this episode, which is listed in the show notes. So thank you for listening. If you have any other suggestions or comments, you can always find me on Instagram or at slavicteaparty at gmail.com.